Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. I do want to chat though about living with a chronic illness because it can be difficult. Everything from prolonged waiting times for a diagnosis, trying then to travel for treatment, even travelling abroad in many cases. There's lots of challenges to face. Um, And I just want to hear people's stories today. Anne is with us on the line because, Anne, you've been living with Lyme disease for the past 26 years. It's a huge proportion of your life. How does this affect day-to-day living? It's just 28 years now next month, Andrea. And I, oh, wow. Uh, I have to say, I see blue sky this year because I got, my face used to swell up regularly since I got facial paralysis in 97. And I'd go to the doctor, get antibiotics to get it under control for a while and the next thing to be off again. But the last couple of years, this issue really increased and frightened the life of me last February when my tongue swelled up too. I didn't sleep for three nights. I was so terrified and I live on my own. So apart from living with chronic pain and all the various diagnoses of osteoarthritis, costochondritis, rheumatoid arthritis, vertigo, Alzheimer type symptoms and crazy stuff. Um, in desperation, I emailed Dr. Armin Schwash. I can't even pronounce his name, from Armin Labs in Germany to see, would he have any advice? Um, this was in February and on Valentine's morning to like a miracle, Dr. Herbert Rixector from a clinic in Zar Lewis phoned me and I had an hour long conversation and he advised about tests to have done here that he could figure out what was going on. I eventually, my dentist and my GP helped and I got him done in a clinic up near Newlands Cross, mm. but they weren't um, detailed enough for him. So I actually, in April, I travelled over there for two nights and had a 3D scan of my face and gums, jaws, everything, and loads of other x-rays and tests. And he actually showed me on the screen where my issues were in my jaw and face. I had... I had bad infections in my jaws and gums. And he reckoned that was the cause of preventing my facial paralysis from recovering, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and it caused a lot of arthritis-type symptoms in your shoulders and back and everything. And I came home and I was just saying, oh, my God, I don't think I'll go for these procedures. They're so uh, terrifying. But when my face started swelling up again, I I wasn't long about making the decision Mm. to go back. And I spent over two weeks there early July. How were you in Ireland? Do you know what, Andrea, after all these years, I haven't a pain or an ache. Nowhere. My balance is good. It's just the most unbelievable and miraculous recovery. And he just found infections in my jaws and my gums that he reckoned had been there for decades. It's changed day to day, has it significantly, Anne, for you oh, so in the ab- past few absolutely. weeks? absolutely. Because uh, I was in pain, I was on low-dose antibiotics to try and keep my the swelling in my face under control. 
And I, up to 2011, I was on uh, anti-inflammatories for the arthritis. And then I got acute kidney failure, so I had to stop then. So I've been taking paracetamol every day since 2011. Yeah, but it's good that you... And I haven't, take, I haven't taken a low-dose antibiotic or a paracetamol yeah. since I came home from Germany. Well, I'm glad, Anne, and what, uh, well, you know, whatever the... the um this, uh, you know, what's what's the word I'm looking for? I suppose whatever the conclusion was that they were able to um, find something, you know, to to alleviate the pain for you because 28 years is, I mean, it's an incredibly long period of time to to live with anything and the impact that it's had on you day to day and at least in the past like few weeks, just as you said, since July, to have got some comfort. I, I can't imagine it. It must be incredible. Anne Marie is with us on the line. And stay with us. Um, we've Anne Marie on the line too. Anne Marie, you're living as well with a a long term chronic illness. Yeah, I am. Um, it's a little actually unnerving because there's some crossover and similarities with uh, Anne there with my own situation. Um, so my actual diagnosis is post-vaccine illness and long COVID. Um, I became ill about three minutes after my vaccine 18 months ago and I've been unwell since. Um, there's a little confusion with my actual um, medical notes because I was in Korea and my A&E notes in Korea stated that I had a cardiomyopathy, which is inflammation of the cardiac muscles, post-vaccine. And then when I came home, they couldn't find that, so they suggested it was just a myocarditis. Um, I also have something called POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, um, paresthesia, which is burning of the ENT. Uh, one doctor suggested it was migraines, another suggested fibromyalgia. And I've recently been in touch with a doctor in the UK who sends bloods over to Germany for Lyme and EBV. And he said, I have Lyme and EBV floating around my system and it's in my connective tissue. So I have chronic EBV. But then when I brought these blood tests to two Irish consultants, they said it wasn't Lyme. So there's actually quite a bit of debate about what has actually yeah, whether happened. It's Lyme disease, whether it's Lyme disease or not. Lyme disease can be yeah. very difficult to get a diagnosis for, can't it? Yes, um, I do think in terms of post-vaccine illness, we don't really talk about it in Ireland. Um, even with long COVID, people seem to not really talk about it in Ireland too much. Um, with post-vaccine illness, there's, there's, um, it's kind of a waiting game to see what has actually happened in your body. And I still have to go for like a cardiac CT and I have to go for more. Mm. So what's, your, what's, day to, what's day to day, Anne-Marie? The impact um, of this I've, day to day? Yeah, so I live a very small life now. I don't do very much. I can't do very much. Um, I have regained some independence. I can shower myself now and I can wash myself now without any help. I can get dressed without any help, which I couldn't do for the first nine months. Um, I wake up pretty early, like in the middle of the night and I have to take medication and then I just lay down and rest. I can get up and I can shower myself now and then I have to, like I get dressed and I have to lay down and rest, take more medication. Um, I'm lucky if I get out for a walk. Um, I need to like safety plan. If I have to go shopping, I need help with that. Um, it's pretty much taking medication all day, every day and supplements. Um, I can't, I get sensory overloads like lights, sounds, smells um, can be too much. I don't watch television or I've watched about two films in the past 18 months. I spend a lot of time lying in bed with um, noise cancelling headphones and blind, uh, eye mask on with the curtains closed. Um, I'm a part of a 
recovery group and rehabilitation group in the UK. So I engage with them pretty much every day. Um, yeah, I don't do very much. I can't mm. do very much. It's been huge, um, huge, I, huge. I get pretty jealous of elderly people because they can do more than I can do. Um, and it, it, I was a very active person mm. and now I'm not. Well, it's very, it's very, dif- it's very difficult, uh, Amory. I've no doubt. Obviously, it's you know, it's um, there's a huge impact on on day to day living for you. And sorry, can I just ask when when you mentioned the Lyme disease and living with it for twenty eight years, like how difficult was it for you, Anne, to get that diagnosis twenty eight years ago? Um, I was sick after a trip to the states ninety five, and it was eight years before I was diagnosed. But it was through an English support group that I found out about a doctor in Switzerland. So I borrowed the money and I went there and had loads of tests on and a brain scan in Basel Hospital, which showed I had vasculitis in my brain. I was at high risk of stroke at that time. So it took eight years. I mean, I've I've been involved with our um, Irish sport groups for nearly since, you know, since TikTok was set up. TikTok Ireland um, 12 years ago or so and um, there are many people in those groups that aren't properly diagnosed for decades and misdiagnosed then with fibromyalgia and arthritis and many things. I mean, Andrea, I have facial paralysis since 97 and this procedure had in July is the first time my face has felt soft and more flexible than it has for all them years. So look, I don't know the answer. It's a huge, it's a, it, like, it, how, what was the, when you first realised that, Anne? I mean, what, like, it's such a long period of time to have lived with it. What what was going through I your mind? Say, what a wasted, I've wasted decades by missing, been been misdiagnosed with different chronic illnesses like all these arthritis, osteochondritis, as I said before, rheumatoid arthritis, and and vertigo. And my I've been on medication regularly for vertigo. And since I had the procedure, my balance has improved immensely. I, uh, Andrea, uh, I don't know this this. He's a maxiofacial surgeon in Germany and he's a genius, in my opinion. Okay, yeah. Well, it's I obviously don't know. it's had a huge, I don't know huge impact everyone, for, for I don't you, for sure, yeah. Can, but I borrowed the money in the credit yeah, union to go because right. I'm an old age pensioner and a widow and I couldn't afford that kind of money. Yeah. So, look, okay. you do want, and if your tongue yeah. starts swelling up and you're afraid you're going to smother in your sleep, you have to do something. Very frightening, and absolutely no no doubt about it. Um, Orla's on the line. Orla, you received treatment for endometriosis. Is that what, what was involved in that for you? Yeah, thanks, Andrea. Um, yeah, endometriosis and adenomyosis, actually, I travelled to Romania for um, in September of 2021. Um, I I was living with it for 25 years before receiving a diagnosis um, that was living in the US and in Ireland. Um, so in September 2021, at the beginning of sorry, at the beginning of that year, I had uh, an ablation procedure in Ireland um, that was failed, and I was told I didn't have endometriosis after a diagnostic lap. Um, but my pain became much worse after that. And I had researched this surgeon in Bucharest in Romania 
for a long time and I had spoken to him for a long time um, and then finally because my pain was so bad I decided that I needed to go um, so quite like Anne and stuff I couldn't you know like financially and everything I was putting so much money here and not getting a diagnosis and my pain wasn't getting any better that I decided to leave and there had been so many good reviews of other Irish women travelling to him that I that I decided to go. Um, so that was in September of 2021 um, and I was diagnosed with stage 2 endometriosis and adenomyosis which I never had gotten a diagnosis for in either the US or in Ireland um, and had excision surgery there and a hysterectomy for adenomyosis. Um, and since that time I have been living pain-free um, with, and I was constantly on painkillers every day of my life for a long time, like tramadol, opioids, um, coils were offered to me, um, higher opioids like oxy, all of that. And I, I refused coils and I refused birth control because of the side effects on my mental health and it didn't do anything for the pain. So then I, when I traveled to Romania and, and since that time, I'm not on any painkillers. I have no pain. I returned to college um, and, yeah, living um, my best life now mm. with absolutely no pain whatsoever. Dear Ola. Like, uh, you yeah. know, I, I know, and, and just, I suppose, to be clear, because we've had conversations previously under a different yeah. banner, you know, about people travelling abroad yeah. for surgery and, uh, you know, maybe yeah. under more the banner of cosmetic surgery and, and that type of thing. But, right. like, I, yeah. I'm sure there's a level of... Um, nervousness as well, Orla, that, that comes with travelling abroad too. You know, because yeah, we have I a mean, good I'm, system here, you know, in the main, but like, I'm sure there's, there is a level of that that comes with it, is there? Well, you have apprehension in going. I mean, it's like when people think of Romania, it's probably not a country that people know a lot about. Um, they probably think it's unsafe, you know, and, and that, but when you can access a, an excellent centre of care there and the level of care is beyond Ireland's expertise like so much um, like this surgeon is doing you know almost a thousand surgeries a year in for endometriosis like you can't you know disregard that and you can't say like we don't have that here there's no mm-hmm. surgeon to do that here and it's the same as getting misdiagnosis like fibromyalgia um, or, or they just want to tr- treat it as an acute pain and it's it's not an acute pain it's a chronic illness um, and it's something that we have to live with so treating it acutely with you know birth control or you know uh, massive amounts of painkillers like I mean that it's destroying your other organs on your body and it doesn't fix anything that the disease still progresses. You still have worse pain. Your organs are being compromised um, and, and people lose their organs, you know, and, and it's not being treated properly here at all. It's treated to cover it up and to mask the symptoms. Um, so you have to, unfortunately, leave the country to access proper treatment and care um, to improve your quality of life, you know. And, and here it's treated like, let's treat your fertility problem. Not that I'm disregarding that at all. Mm. But the thing is, is that women are treated like we're here to just carry babies. And, and it's not about their quality of life or as human beings, you know. Um, and I am not taking anything away from, you know, fertility issues. I know that's a huge um, upset for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, but at for, like, how can we ever take care of babies if we're not well ourselves? You know, I have two children and I lost decades of my life and my children lost at least 10 years of me not being their mother because I was so sick, you know. Yeah, and that's what it's... Uh... Yeah, it's a major change, Orla. Then obviously for you, you know, in in recent times as well as a, as a result of that. Um, 
Emily is with us too. Emily Larkin is the founder of Invisible Disability Ireland. Emily, why did you set up this organisation? Yeah, so I set up this organisation because of the lack of awareness and understanding, uh, particularly around chronic illnesses. That's actually the biggest category of disability um, as per the, the CSO. So it affects hundreds of thousands of people each year. And even listening uh, to the two women there, I really identify with parts of their story and, and what it's like to live with a chronic illness in Ireland and the struggles that people face. Well, it's interesting because there's chronic illness and then there's often um, invisible illnesses mm-hmm. as well, you know, and and the two can go, I suppose, hand in hand and entirely separately. Very much so. So if I was to walk into a um, I would look absolutely fine. You would never think there's anything wrong with me versus 10 minutes later, once I'm brought through to triage and I'm hooked up to about, you know, 20 different heart wires and monitors. Um, and, and then people say, oh, maybe, you know, maybe there is something wrong with her, you know, and just those little hints of, say, mobility aids of, you know, a diabetic monitor on someone's arm. But generally, you know, chronic illness, it is invisible because it's internal. It's inside someone's body. And there aren't a lot of hints, unfortunately, and that can make life quite challenging for people with hidden disabilities when they're trying to access resources. What is your advice, Emily, to people? Um, you know, I'm sure for Anne and Anne-Marie and Orla, and they look back over the years and even just having a support system, um, a network, a lot of people often talk about the fact that they don't feel like that, you know, they're being, they're being listened to or even that they're being heard, actually, when they speak to people. Yeah. So, What's your advice to people in that situation? I think like that, you you just need to lean on the support systems in place. So that can be family, that can be friends, it can be charities and non-profits like our organisation where it can be really beneficial to reach out to people who have similar experiences and maybe share those tips and those struggles. Another thing is your your medical team. Um, You know, listening there, I've had great experiences with doctors and fantastic treatment. And I've had you know, treatment that hasn't been so good or doctors that have misdiagnosed me. So for me, when I find a doctor, you know, that, that really listens to me and understands my conditions, I find it really important to, to you know, cling on to them as much as possible and, and to follow through on those treatments with those doctors. But it is tricky um, in the Irish Health Service with doing so. Do we have, a, do we under, like, can, how do we get a better understanding of chronic or invisible illnesses? I think through um, awareness and particularly um, to doctors. Um, I would have um, some rare uh, diseases um, and illnesses that doctors don't really hurt. They've never really heard of before or if they've heard about it in college or um, they've never really met someone like me. So for them, it can be quite challenging um, trying to figure out what's the best way to do things, especially when there isn't, um, as was mentioned, you know, uh, centres of excellence uh, for certain conditions. It can be really hard on doctors then to give patients the right care if they themselves can't offer it. And so I think that's something that the HSC should be looking into is national centres for certain conditions that are overlooked, um, like endometriosis um, or, you know, connective tissue diseases and those kinds of things. Well, look, uh, thank you, Emily, for joining us and getting in touch with us here today um, on the programme. It, it can obviously has a huge impact on people and, you know, quality of life and day to day life. And even just, I mean, some of the stories coming in here as well, an email from listeners just talking about actually having somebody to chat to and being heard as well. Um, Anne-Marie, Anne, Orla, thank you for getting in touch with us today. Emily Larkin there as well, as I said, from Invisible Disability Ireland. 
Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.